a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week as much as I want them to uh, receive that Word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. And I said to the guy, uh, look, at when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> Time for another edition of Table Talk Radio, then. All right. Well, the moment Time you've for been, another subtraction of Table Talk Radio. You've been waiting for this all week, and it's finally come to pass. So, See what I did there? See how I changed addition to subtraction? That was hilarious. I... <laughs> I missed your arithmetic humor. Sorry. I need to pay closer attention to your humor. Indeed. So, uh, Well, we got a good show today. You don't want to know what we're doing? Yeah. Since I planned today's show again. Uh, you did, and without my knowing also. That's pretty impressive. We're going to do the, the buzzwords and the email, and then we're going to do the praise song crunching, and then we're going to do bumper sticker and church sign. Wait, what's not do to love about Facebook today's show? Theology. This is a highlight reel. Just waiting to be reeled. <laughs> What's not to love about this show about, except for this show? <laughs> <laughs> so my buzzword for you, are you ready for this? Yeah. It is promise. Now, uh, promise, I want to contrast promise with command. So this is the way my, the... My buzzer is command. Okay. Let me write that down. Command. That should be good, because that's really fitting, because I am the gospel guy around here, and you're the law guy. Yeah, man, you're like an antinomian over there. The promise is that the Lord speaks to us. Uh, this is the early way the Lutherans distinguish law and gospel is we call it speaking to the Lord's command and the Lord's promise. Now, the thing to note that is very important about this is that the way you keep a command and the way you keep a promise are utterly different from one another. So the way that you keep a promise is by believing it. The way you keep a command is by doing it. That is why faith justifies, because faith is what grabs a hold of God's promise of forgiveness. So forgiveness comes to us not as a command, but as pure promise, which is why we have it by faith. Uh, God's law, on the other hand, is we keep it by doing it. So, so here the Lord speaks to us in different ways. And we have the benefits of his speaking in different ways, too. So we have the benefit of his commandments by keeping his commands, so that is, by doing them. And we have the benefit of his promises, the gospel, by believing them. See? Ah, very good. My buzzword for you is command. This is uh, the Lord's command. This is his law. This is his demands upon you. And uh, in the preaching of the law, it shows that we do not meet the demands of God. And... Um, yeah, anything else you want? <laughs> that's pretty, no, pretty that's straightforward. All. Okay. All right, then we're going to go to some emails. Is that right? Yes. Now, I have a question. Have we talked about this one? Yeah, we have archived about what it's like going to the Lutheran Seminary, so we're going to skip that yep. one. We, but and, while you find the right email, I'm just going to tell people what our email address is. That sounds like a good idea. Yep. That email address is questions at tabletalkradio.org. 
questions at tabletalkradio.org, and we take uh, the first segment of each show to answer your emails, theological questions. And um, we even uh, will let Calvinists write in, too. Is that right? Indeed. All right. That's so, right. So, but they, they, they desire the special email address, answers at tabletalkradio.org, but it doesn't exist. It just gets routes to our OCB. So... <laughs> Nice. Here's This is an email from Joel in Fort Wayne, and this, in fact, is a picture email. Glad it came through. And it's simply the picture of a church sign. And the church sign says, Woodview Church of God, and it says, Service is not spelled, serve us. Huh. See that? <laughs> the, okay, so let's, let's just talk about this a little bit. Um, I think the Woodview Church of God perspective of service is thinking about our service to fellow man, and so it's it's making the point. Uh, look, if you're going to be all about service, you can't be all about having your hand out and receiving things. Now, the irony of having this on a church sign is that the irony, uh, <laughs> the the reason the Lord gathers His people together in a Christian congregation is that he would be the one serving. So he is serving us. So <laughs> you would expect then the divine service, God's service, to be giving us his gifts of life, salvation, forgiveness through his word and his sacraments, that it is, in fact, serving us. So uh, it, the, the question is, who's, who's at the center of worship? Is it God or is it us? If it's us, this sign is exactly right. But if worship is about God and centers on him, then it is about him serving us. Right, that's right. It's humble, but not quite humble enough. This sign, because Jesus, Jesus says, "Remember this." He says, "I did not come to be served, but to serve." Right, right. So, in fact, He does come to serve us, and so Jesus will say over and over, um, "This is my body given for you," uh, so that so that by faith we receive those things which the Lord wants to give us. Now, I think this is a great confusion about what worship is, namely that. You know, if you just go ask the standard person what what is worship, they they would have this exi- this thing that says, "Well, it's not, it's not a God serving me; it's me serving God by praising Him and telling Him about all the great things that He's done and the great things that He is, etc." But in fact, the true worship of, of the gospel is that we, by faith, receive the gifts that the Lord uh, gives to us. Now, I liked what you said uh, just a second ago, that it's humble but not humble enough. Let's put that in the context of Jesus um, in, on Monday, Thursday. He's, he put, wraps a towel around his waist, getting ready to wash people's feet, and Peter goes, Oh, no, 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 you won't serve me. And that would, at its face, seem like an act of uh, humility. No, Lord, I, I would never have you uh, serve me. But what does Jesus say? Unless I wash you, you have uh, no part of me. In other words, it, you're ex- <laughs> what you said is exactly right. It's even more humbling to have the Lord of all creation washing your feet than it is to say, no, Lord, don't serve me. And that's so right. that that's exactly translates into worship perfectly. Yeah, that's, and so we think that, that if, when, we, when we come humbly before the Lord to serve Him, that this is an act of humble adoration. But in fact, the humility, of, which is only achievable by faith, and that is the, to know, first of all, that we're sinners that deserve hell. You see, that is the, the humili- humiliation that we're going for, so that there's nothing left of our own, so that we are, uh, we are suffering the Lord's will to be done on us, which is His will to save us. And that's the, the humbleness of faith, 
which is the uh, which is our salvation. Brilliant. I got another one. Did you get this one? It says bump music suggestion. Oh, which reminds me, I've got a complaint, and that is this: your radio show, your morning talk radio show, there broadcast live from Club Rogue River every day, has better <laughs> bump music than Table Talk Radio. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. <laughs> Namely, Stevie Wonder's superstition. I cannot believe you. No, let's see. What, what am I... a hypocrite. What am you I... <laughs> are a radio hypocrite. Let's see. What are my bumps? I've got Stevie Wonder. I've got um, uh, Play That Funky Music. Uh, and, oh, uh, man. What's my, what's my second one? I have another one that, that you'd like really to. <laughs> I'm sure it's like... Uh, 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 Cat Stevens or something like that, but oh man, Cat Mahomes <laughs> Stevens. See, I'm trying, I'm trying to get you to listen to the to our morning show. That's all I, that's all I ever want. This email comes from Joseph in Chicago or near Chicago. He writes, "I thought that you uh, of your show when I heard this song. It's called Backwood Preacher by Tony Joan White. Give it a listen. Sounds like it's probably about an old revival preacher. Has a good blues sound to it. Uh, you should use it for your bump music." Thanks for your show. I've listened to them all. Whoa. Do we have that queued up? Uh, no, you need to give me a little lead time on this. I'm not, so I'm not a control preacher. of the inbox. You are. All right. Uh, another one? Ready? Yeah. This is from Chase, Tracy from Ohio. Hello, Pastors Wolfmuller and Gagline. I'm trying to find a consensus and understand the proper definition of discipleship. How discipleship and sanctification work together, how they can be distinguished from one another. Here's a brief explanation of what my understanding is. Sanctification is my personal relationship with God growing through, uh, through a life change due to the Spirit in me. It's not about others. Discipleship is the process of being transformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. In summary, sanctification is about God transforming me internally through His Holy Spirit. In discipleship, God is transforming my lifestyle, actions, behavior, and relationships externally. The purpose of discipleship is for the sake of the kingdom of God in the world so that others may know Him. The purpose of sanctification is much more personal or intimate. How would you add or change these descriptions? Would you consider adding definitions of discipleship to your buzzword list? Many thanks, Tracy. (laughs) Thanks, Tracy. And uh, thanks for listening in Ohio. Um, we can definitely add that to the buzzword list. Uh, Pastor, we have about 45 seconds before we go to a break. Do you want to get a start on the sa- on the well, answer? Sh- yeah, sure. So, so first of all, I mean, I, I think, Tracy, we want to be careful because discipleship is one of these buzzwords which is in the American church. And, um, and what, what they mean by discipleship is I'm not just a Christian, but I'm I'm actually I'm something more, more than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it puts levels for Christianity. What discipleship really means is someone who follows Christ, so that all Christians are the Lord's disciples. Noun, uh, and we want it, so we want to emphasize that and in an objective way. Yeah, that's I'm, a start. We could say more about that. okay, more about uh, discipleship and sanctification when we get back from table uh, from this break on Table Talk Radio. Uh, you can get, during this break, take a visit to our website, tabletalkradio.org. And uh, if you haven't caught the first 300 of our shows and you feel like uh, going on a, on a, on a kamikaze uh, mission, then you can go to tabletalkradio.org, click on the podcast tab, and listen to all of our past shows as well. Oh, look yeah. at some articles on there as well. Uh, Praise Song Crunch today and Bumper Sticker Theology. We'll be right back. You're on Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. 
Disappointing listeners since 2008. Answering all your theological questions, preparing some praise songs, all while playing his mother-in-law in Words with Friends, your oh, host, yeah. Brian Wolfmuller. <laughs> I'm down by two, but I'm about to play my last three letters, and it's going to put me over the top. So you still play Words I remember I played Words with Friends. That was kind of, that was so yesterday. You did? Oh, yeah. You played it? Forever I only ago. play my mother-in-law. That's the only person. <laughs> I ever. My brother-in-law I played once, but he never uh, responds. He takes forever. So. Yeah, it takes too long, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we were talking about uh, discipleship and sanctification, and you warned us about this word discipleship because that can sometimes be understood in a um, hierarchy kind of a way, that there's the Christians, those who believe, and then there's the real Christians, those who go above and beyond, and those are the, the true disciples, the true Christ followers. That's right. Discipleship, then, is not a word in the Bible, but the, the word that we, the, the place where we go to know what a disciple is, is in the words of Jesus, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, and how are you made into a disciple? And the answer is, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. So to be a disciple hmm. is to be baptized and taught. So that has, that has more to do with one's believing than one's actions and doings. That's right. And, uh, and so when we talk about discipleship, I suppose what that means, what we should understand, is that means that we are followers of Jesus and that we study his word. And we're treasuring his word of law and gospel, of promise and command, both. See that? Now, uh, sanctification is, um, it comes from, that's the Latin from uh, sanctus, or whatever holy. that is. That, that is. It comes from the, uh, uh, the, the Greek hagios, or holy. So to be sanctified means to be holified. Now, the best way, I think, to think of holification, or sanctification, holification, is like the old cowboys used to brand their cows. In other words, I want—I don't want anybody to walk off with this cow, so I'm gonna—I'm gonna put my name on it, and so it belongs to me. So when the Lord puts His name on us in baptism, He sanctifies us. He sets us apart as His own dear people. So do you now, have like a, a times, do you have like a cross like branded into your forehead or something like that? Well, that's what we say when we <laughs> baptize the children. Remember, I mark you with the sign of the cross on your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. So that we we are marked now. Not now you don't get a tattoo. I'm just picturing next to the baptismal font you have a branding iron sitting in hot coals. All right, who's ready to be baptized? That's right. <laughs> you thought circumcision was tough. <laughs> Look at how we do it over here. That'll be the next new, new radical. Right, right. Tattooed I'm, for Jesus. I'm a true, yeah. I'm a, I'm a true follower. I've been tattooed. You've got a cross on your forehead, and you're like, well, I got the whole Song of Solomon tattooed on my back. <laughs> anyway, now we use sanctification as a specific, in a in a specific sense, to mean growth in good works. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, and those good works, remember, always are serving the neighbor. So just like the, the, the distinction in the email was the idea of sanctification is personal and discipleship is, is for the... No, I don't think we can make that distinction that the Lord, whenever he gives us good works to do, it's always for the neighbor's benefit, uh, never for our own kind of personal benefit. Uh, so that's true. But, but really, sanctification in the broad sense is everything that the Holy Spirit does to to keep us in the faith, to strengthen the faith, to deliver the Lord's promise to us, 
to uh, uh, inspire good works that serve the neighbor and such. As the Holy Spirit works through the means of grace, and we're in sacrament. So that mm-hmm. just, I mean, just, just to kind of reiterate what we already talked about, where Jesus points to um, making disciples, he goes to the teaching of the apostles, the, the Holy Scriptures, the, the Gospels, the uh, letters of Paul, for example, the teachings of God, and also that we would be baptized. I guess I had that the other way around, but um, that that's where disciples are found, is where those who have received this means of grace, and then they believe it. I mean, that see, this, this whole um, uh, teaching them to obey or keep all that they've commanded, I mean, I, I, I think maybe keep is a good way to translate that word. Um, to, I mean, so, so the, the idea is not that you're just obeying. Obeying is just way too narrow. Um, but that you're keeping it, and you're holding on to it. You're abiding in the very truth of God as the most important thing in your life, and that you believe that the teachings therein. That that's I yeah. think where you find a disciple. That's right. Obey is too narrow because, as we talked about in our buzzword conversation, which I got by the way, I got both buzzwords. <laughs> I'll give you five hundred for the one. Is that the way, so keep or treasure is the way that we would have it because the way you keep a command is by obeying it, but the way you keep a promise is by believing it. So that word embraces both. So it depends on what kind of word the Lord is speaking. So you're right to obey everything that I've commanded you. Uh, it's to rather to treasure everything that I've taught you would, would be a way to, to have it. So we believe the Lord's promises. That's not the exclusion of the law. We, we keep his commandments. For the past, I don't know, six years here on Table Talk Radio, we've done a little something called the Praise Song Cruncher. And this uh, was with the conviction that the songs that we have on our lips to praise our Lord ought to uh, teach of God correctly. So if, if they're going to be uh, the, the songs that, that praise God, that they ought to be actually describing the true God. That sounds like a pretty safe assumption, right? I'd say so. And the way that this came about, I remember one day, driving down the road, and someone had called me and said, hey, we just approved a bunch of praise songs for singing in church, but I'm not sure if they're good. So I started listening to some of these songs, and we were asking the question, is there any false doctrine taught in here? And we looked at a bunch of songs, and and there was not false doctrine taught because there was no doctrine taught at all. (laughs) So we realized that to, to come to a praise song and to evaluate it, we needed to ask more than simply the question, is there false doctrine? Because if there's no doctrine then there's no false doctrine. Neither is there anything true. The they song was not speaking of assertion. So we came up with the praise song cruncher, which is chiefly a tool to identify mysticism in worship songs. Now, mysticism is the theological movement that puts people in motion towards a direct, unmediated experience of the presence of God on the inside. So I feel God's presence. That's mostly how it comes, but it can come in any sort of other sophisticated kind of ways or less sophisticated ways. The basic idea of mysticism is that I have an unmediated unmediated internal connection with something divine. And the praise song oftentimes is pushing people in that direction. So the praise song cruncher is trying to ferret that thing out, and we do it by asking five questions. Before you get to the questions, a lot of people listening to you might might think, well, yeah, you have an internal connection with God. I mean, they know of nothing else. Um, mm-hmm. But but to to maybe give an alternative understanding then of the God that we that we worship, the God that we have, is a God who does not stand far off in the intangible, uh, expecting you to somehow connect to Him emotionally. Because that, I mean, 
that's a fickle game, right? I mean, one day you're you're feeling great, feeling like you're connected with God. The next day you don't have that same feeling. Um, however, then God then would come from the outside of us, not internally but externally, and come to us in and through His Word and where He has promised uh, in in His means of grace. So um, Jesus says he, he takes bread and he takes wine, and he says, this is my body, this is my blood. Why? He says, for the forgiveness of your sins, so that we don't have a God internally or without means. We have a God in and through means, uh, bread and wine in this case. Now, right. this this is something that God is in the habit of doing. We remember like a burning bush, <laughs> or we remember a snake in the wilderness, uh, a snake lifted up in the wilderness, and, and, and Moses said, anyone who looks upon this a bronze serpent will be saved. And so God is in the habit all through biblical history of attaching his promises to external things so that we can know that we're receiving uh, God not on the inside but on the outside. Right. Okay. So the praise song is usually heading in this internal direction. And how, right. how does it do that? How, or how do we analyze that? Uh, so the first question we ask is, is Jesus mentioned? And that question is to let us know if Jesus is mentioned. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> now, now we remember that these five criterium that we're using to evaluate the praise songs do not it's not like hey you don't mention Jesus it's out but it gives you at least you know that if Jesus is mentioned by name or by concept or Jesus is not mentioned you know if it's if it has to do with Jesus. Now the the question here is could this song be sung by a um, Muslim or by a guy to his girlfriend? <laughs> or is it specifically uh, a theological song and a song, in fact, that is to the Lord Jesus who died for us? Now, you can sing to God in, that, in the abstraction, and this is not yet going to be a Christian song. So first question is Jesus mentioned. Second question, is the song mystical in form? Now, what do we mean by that? There's two marks that we use to identify mystical form. The first is repetition. Does it say the same phrases over and over in order to get you worked up into kind of a state of um, utter suggestibility. So what you're looking for in that one is if they say the same things over and over, right? I, so let me tell you, what I'm looking for that is if they say the same things over and over. <laughs> we, Got are, it? we are so obnoxious. The thing about this is that we know that the, saying something over and over, it, it it is a manipulative tool, and it is one of the marks of American Christianity, that while they think that your will is free and therefore must make a decision for Christ, they also confess that your will is very open to manipulation. So the song is putting you in a place where you're open to the suggestion of the preacher. The second mark of mystical form is the use of phrases instead of sentences. So the song speaks in images rather than in assertions. And we make the point that uh, it, it cannot, if it's simply a phrase, it cannot be true or false. So, for example, the green tree, is that true or false? Answer, well, uh, no. It's an image. I got a picture of a tree in my mind. So, yeah, and, and I have a picture of a tree, too, and it just so happens that you and I have different trees. That's the point. Aha. Uh -huh. So well, those are the first two criteria. All right, we'll hit uh, three more after this break.
Real Talk Radio. After a while, you just get used to it. Before the break, Pastor Wolf Miller, you were talking about the criteria of analyzing praise songs known as the praise song cruncher. Number one, we're looking for Jesus so that we know if the song is actually about him. Uh, number two, mystical form, and this is the, the way that a song might approach uh, or have, have as, as its goal of delivering to God unmediated, and that would be through uh, repetition or through the lack of, of complete sentences so that you're creating impressions rather than making assertions. What else is on the list? And, and also uh, repetition. Oh, yeah. The third uh, criterion is the uh, mystical content. And here we have a number of things to consider, but the, the idea of mystical content is this, that we have this, again, this internal direct experience of, the, uh, of some sort of divine um, nature. So one of the marks of mystical content is it's very romantic. The other is you talk about internally how things are on the inside. The other thing is it's overcome, it's just overflowing with emotive sort of stuff. Sometimes it'll use the imagery of, of being lost, of being absorbed, of being caught up. Uh, all, all this kind of stuff is mystical content. The fourth question we ask is, does the song teach law and gospel? In other words, does it tell me my problem is sin and the solution is the death of Jesus or not? The fifth question is, is there any false doctrine? Now, notice that that's not the first question or the only question, but the last question, because oftentimes the song won't have, again, any false doctrine, but it will not be helpful because it is mystical. And Jesus did not come to us on me. He comes to us in the Word. See? It's a point. If a, if a song isn't delivering uh, our problem as sin, what are, what are some common other problems that are sometimes presented in, in songs? Well, the mystic, the mystic presents the problem as I am far from God, and the gospel or the solution is that God is now near to me. Uh, my life is dry, and now I'm falling into the ocean. My, my life is bereft, and now I'm full. I'm healed, and this sort of thing. So it's a, it's a lot of kind of emotional. It sounds to us like therapeutic emotionalism, but it's more than that. See, the mystic has the understanding. i got to still look this up because I'm sure the ancient mystics had a word for it. Some, there's probably some Greek word that they used for the internal knowing thing, the part of you that knows something on the inside, the mystic eye, you know, the Hindi thing where they put the eye on your forehead. That's the, inter the, the, the eye that sees things that, the, that your real eyes can't see. Mm -hmm. So this kind of secret knowing on the inside, and the, the mystic assumes that the problem is that uh, I don't have the sense that God is present, and the solution is that I do have the sense that God is present. Mm. See? Yeah, yeah, very good. Okay, well, let's get to some praise songs. You can see how these questions play in. The first one I have, Pastor, for our consideration is God is Able, this one by Hillsong.
verse 2 goes like this. God is with us. God is on our side. He will make a way far above all we know for all uh, far above all we know for God has done great things. And then the chorus again and then the bridge and the chorus. Um I guess that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So This is an interesting one. This is we'll have is. to go through the cruncher and see how it comes out here. All right. So the first question is is These Hillsong Jesus guys are a bit kooky theologically, right? Do I know that? Are they kind of the word faith uh side of praise song things? Of Australia, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Their word of faith? Yeah. I mean, they're t- like t- t- totally 100% charismatic. That uh, doesn't come know, out yeah. too much in this song, a, a little bit. So the question is, Jesus mentioned, um, it does say, lifted up, he defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able. So I think that's probably talking about Jesus, right? I think so. That's probably a pretty safe assumption. So yes. Okay. We'd, we'd say so yes. That's, this is an Easter uh, hymn here. So Jesus is mentioned there by, by talking about the God who was raised to life. Okay. okay. Next question is mystical form. It is repetitive, not the worst, but not the best. So that is true. Although, um, and it does also use these sentence fragments. For example, far above all we know. Now, that is not a sentence. See that? Mm-hmm. Far above all we hope. That is also not a sentence. Uh, God is with us. That is a sentence. For the Lord our God is able. That is also a sentence. So there's a few sentence fragments in here. For the most part, this is going to use sentences. So I think on mystical form, how does this go? What's high? Ten or one? I don't know. You can make it up this time. <laughs> I think mystical form, this was going to be like a, a six and a half. If mysticism not the is worst. high. Yeah, mysticism is ten. Okay. Not the worst, certainly not the best. Okay. What about the mystical content? Well... Let's see. Greater than all. This is this is somewhat talking about the objective work of the Lord that He is raised from the grave. I noticed that. So He defeated the grave, raised to life. Our God is able. In His name, and we overcome. So it's for talking the Lord. about the Lord and what He's done. Now it's talking about, of course, the Lord's power to overcome the the grave, which is which is good. That's what Easter preaching is. You would want this preaching to be in the context of the cross, though. I mean, in other words, there's nothing of sin. The, the, our problem is death. There's nothing of of of, of Jesus' death, which is our, our. I mean, to be lifted up from the grave, I suppose you would have to first be put into the grave by death, right? Mm-hmm. But that, it's kind of that's usually mentioned. That's usually how it goes. You can't be raised from the dead unless you're first dead. <laughs> unless you're, you know. This is the kind of insight you won't get on God whispers. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, but it is. It's kind of getting. The, the, here's the mystical form. Here, the mystical content in this in this question is that it's it's embracing this kind of the power of God, the glory of God, without the necessarily touching on the weakness of God. Now, Easter hymns will sometimes do that, so we might be a little easier on it. I think um, for that reason. Uh, but so I maybe I'll put mystical content. It's like a I don't know, a, a, a mystical content, maybe like a four. Okay. Low on mystical content. It's a four on content, but that's graded on a curve given it's a it's an Easter song. Yeah. Okay. All right, the next question is law and or gospel. When you kind of mentioned that a little bit, but uh, yeah, the, you I see mean, sin how in you, here. Yeah, there's not, it's not sin. Our problem is death. And the... Um, uh, 
um, uh, and the solution is resurrection. So it's not a f- it's not a full preaching of law and gospel. It's just kind of a partial preaching of law and gospel. It's not sin, salvation, but death and life. Uh, so again, this is. It's not wrong, but it's just not complete. You it's see what I'm right. saying? <laughs> it's, it's not wrong. It's just not right. Yeah, I mean, it's just not enough. If there's not enough in this song, so it's like, um, it's like it's, uh, it's like it's it's partial law and gospel. It's just not complete law and gospel. It's not. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let, what about uh, explicit false teaching? No, I don't see any. I mean, it's a little. It leans towards the theology of glory, but again, it's not explicit. This is like, um, huh? This is this is like uh, this is like the debate between me and Carrie about are the kids old enough to watch Star Wars? You know, <laughs> it's like it's a it's kind of a gray area here. Uh, so because it's not it's not this isn't really bad, but it's not really good. Okay, so. In the Praise Song Cruncher, we have these final categories. It's acceptable for worship, it's acceptable for entertainment value, or it's not acceptable at all. Yeah, I think this, I think this uh, song would be one that would be fine to sing in the car on the way to school, uh, but it would not be something that you would want to bring into worship because of the repetitive uh, and uh, uh, mystical uh, format, and because the other things are just not... It just doesn't say enough. It, it's not. It's not showing us our problem to be sin, and therefore the problem can't possibly be the be the forgiveness of sin, right? Yeah. Yep. That's well, right. I've got another one I for you. What do you think about that evaluation of it? Uh, I think you're right. Um, tell you what. Why don't we go to the next song, and then um, we'll have to start our crunch of it on the next on the other side of this break. But uh, this is the song "Glorious Day" by Casting Crowns. One day when heaven was filled with his praises One day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin Dwelt among men, my example is he The word became flesh and the light shined among Glory revealed, living He loved me, dying He saved me, buried He carried my sins far away, rising He justified, freely forever, one day He's coming, oh glorious day. All right, that is Glorious Day by Casting Crowns. When we come back from this break on Table Talk Radio, we're going to be crunching that song or see how it does in the cruncher. I see some object objectivity in that song. Yeah. That wasn't a yeah. very good fade-in, was it? <laughs> we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. Bow, 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 
For those of you new to Table Talk Radio, that's Pastor Wolf Miller's thing, so you might just want to get used to it. Uh, before the break, we listened to the song Glorious Day by Casting Crowns, and we are looking at uh, throwing this through the cruncher. So, Pastor Wolfman, the uh, first question on the cruncher is, is Jesus mentioned? Yes, look at this. I mean, we got to read this. these next verses here. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree, suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins. My Redeemer is he. Hands that healed nations stretched out on a tree and took the nails for me. One day the grave could conceal them no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now he's ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him from rising again. One day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved one, bringing my Savior, Jesus, is mine. I, w- I don't wonder if this is... Do you th- This sounds to me like an old hymn that they've redone. Uh, but maybe not. I mean, maybe this is original. I'm this not is... sure. I mean, you're right. It does kind of have that that uh, the sound to it, doesn't it? But yeah, it's not repetitive, and it's pushing through the. Uh, I mean, it talks about the first sta- uh, talk stanza talks about Jesus' um, incarnation. The second stanza talks about his death, his suffering on the cross. The third is his resurrection, and the fourth is his coming. Very creedal. And then the chorus even, living, he loved me, dying, he saved me, buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. This is raised for our justification, Romans 5. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. This hmm. is something. Okay, so, so yes, Jesus is mentioned for right, sure. What about a, well, you kind of talked about it, but a, a mystical... Um, uh, form, mystical form, where you're looking this is for free repetition. from mystical form. It has sentences and it has uh, different, even different stanzas. It's kind of amazing. Hmm. Okay. I well, how this got so popular? <laughs> Are you suggesting only the mystical songs become popular? Yes, I'm suggesting that. <laughs> okay. This is proving me wrong. Look, look you're how right. objective we are. Looking at the evidence, That's, this is from a. This is these are the top three of the top 100. I just pulled off the list this nice. today. So nice. Um, Some hope here. What about uh, mystical content? I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I don't is... see. This seems very. It's just. It's this is confession of the creed, and it and it does this nice thing where it's connecting the work that Jesus has done, for the uh, the things that Jesus has done on the cross, and it's connecting those to, um, uh, to, to to the benefit that it has for me. I really like the second stanza. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree. Suffering, anguish, despised, and rejected, bearing our sins, my Redeemer is He. That's the thing that was lacking in the last song. It's not talking about our yeah. sins. Why is this yeah. happening? Sure. Uh, hands that uh, healed nations stretched out on a tree and took the nails for me as my right. substitute. I mean, th- right. so th- this song is teaching us that cross in which Jesus was nailed is the place that I belong. I'm supposed to be there because of my sins. Mm-hmm. And this is proclaiming that the uh, the one who did all the healing is now the one being crucified in my place. Yeah, that's right. It's beautiful. In fact, it is. Okay. Uh, and then we have uh, law gospel. I guess we demonstrated the law and the gospel in yep. that very stanza. And any, yep. any other explicit false teaching? I don't see any. I do not see any. Okay. Well, we're going to have to say this one. So is this acceptable for worship 
entertainment value. You know, I think so. Now, I mean, the, the music is a different thing. You might have to do a little bit of work to get the music to be uh, helpful for congregational singing. But I think the words are fit for worship. Okay. I'm going to say that on this guy. All right, good. What do you, th- what do you think about that? Yeah, pass, gonna... right? It's past the cruncher. Good. It did. It's good to see that. Good to see those songs. All right, we're going to go now to a new game we call uh, Bumper Sticker Theology. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, church sign bumper sticker. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is where we look at either church signs or bumper stickers. Um, and what we're looking for on this, well, I guess the bumper stickers are particularly looking at worldviews. Um, so that a, uh, if the, the idea is if you're going to affix, take a, some kind of adhesive and fix it to your car with some kind of a pithy saying, it probably is reflective of the thing that you believe or your worldview. And so we look at, uh, take a look at theological bumper stickers and try to analyze what worldview it is. Now with the church signs, it's just kind of see what kind of puns are going around at the, at the time, right? Is that yeah, that's all it is. Like, church signs is like... <laughs> yeah. See who's the punniest. Right. So if you have any theological uh, bumper stickers or church signs you want to report to us, you can give us a call. 1-800-385-SOLA is the number. 1-800-385-7652. And uh, let's take a look at some of these. I didn't have one queued up, so give me just a second. I got one. Here's it from our thing. This is a Christmas church sign sent from Mike. Despite their hardships, Mary and Joseph chose life. And change the world. Now that is not a, bun, a pun. By I the was way. thinking, oh, where's the pun? Where's the pun? <laughs> Pressure's on <laughs> to find it. <laughs> Mary and Joseph. This is using Jesus and the Holy Family as an anti-abortion slogan. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, so now, now there is something to this that God chose not only to become a man, but also to become a baby in the womb. Hmm. tells us that all life is hallowed, although, you know, the life was a gift of God before Jesus took it on himself. So we, But it, it's confirmed by the Incarnation. Now, it's, this idea that Mary and Joseph chose life and changed the world is a little bit troublesome to me, because, sure, it's true. That's fine. fine. But we do not have babies in order to change the world. We have babies because babies are good. <laughs> you know, we so, don't kill the yeah. babies because it's just... It's just anti-human in every way to do something like that. Right. So insofar as what it says is accurate, but it's, it's, it's not giving the proper rationale for the which we shouldn't have abortions. <laughs> yeah, there's this, you know, there's this, like the Tim Tebow campaign you right. know, a couple years ago. It's like, hey, look at me, and my mom almost uh, aborted me, but she, did, she chose not to. And it's like, it's like so, so we should have babies because they, they have the possibility of growing up and being like Tim Tebow. They, they, well, how they, about we should just have babies because they're babies? We we, we don't want to have an abortion because our, our child might grow up to be a, a one-year NFL has-been quarterback. <laughs> hey, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy, buddy. <laughs> no, but you're right. So even, even if we knew that the, the, the child was going to have no special skills and be working at a grocery store or something uh, all of his life, it's still a reason to not have an abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. I got another one. All right, good. Hi, this is David in Houston. I've got a church sign here that says, Don't give up. Remember, Moses was once a basket case. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> See, basket case, get it, basket. He lived in a basket. I remember. Right. <laughs> yeah, All right. don't give up. Now, now by the way, Moses was, it didn't, it, it's not like Moses had a lot of resolve. I mean, he was just a baby. <laughs> 
floating around. So it's not like it's like, man, that Moses, he didn't give up. I mean, he wouldn't let the crocodiles eat him because he was really tough. <laughs> he floated around. You're not giving any credit, huh? No, man. no. Okay. Well, here's another one. Hi guys, this is Chris from Tillamook. Hey, I'm finally calling in. I uh, I saw a meme on the internet, actually on Facebook, and I, I I thought it was a doozy, so I'd call in. Um, I'm gonna have my uh, my older boy Micah read it for you. Go ahead, Micah. Um, it says instead of looking at God through the Old Testament, see Him through Jesus. Oh. So I thought you guys could respond to that. It, it's got a picture of. Uh, some glasses on the left eye it's got the old testament on the right eye it has jesus so anyway have fun with that bye all right i'm interested in your perspective here because i could see a a good way this is being said and a negative way this is being said yeah i i don't like it because the most so the when someone goes to start distinguishing between law and gospel uh, the most fundamental and first error that people make is this the old testament is law the new testament is gospel and uh, that is simply not true. The Lord's promise, the Lord is the same, Old and New Testament, same God, same everything. And I mean, different Testament, I, I suppose, but everything else, same, same mercy, same kindness, same necessity of blood, same whole, faith. whole deal. Yeah, same faith, same justification, same Trinity, same two natures of Christ. Just didn't have them yet, but it was all promised. But, so, I mean, Jesus is God manifest. You're right. That's so, right. But that Jesus was the one walking around in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus is the one that was talking to Adam and Eve and saying, hey, these fig leaves are not going to cut it. And he's the one saying to uh, Joshua, I'm going to go with you into the land. And he was the one. Right. So to see, to, to so if, if this is being used to pit Old Testament against New Testament, we have a big problem. Right. That's right. All right. One more quick one. Church sign. God answers prayers, not advice. And I don't, I don't get it because I've never gotten advice that I needed to actually answer. I'm confused by it. Only you can. I know just what that's talking about. Okay, enlighten us. Yeah, in 17 Uh, seconds. This is so saying. Hey, when you go to pray, don't give God advice. Uh, Tell him what you need. See, Uh. ask a prayer. Don't advise God. But the problem is that when the Lord invites us into His counsel in prayers, it's exactly what He's doing. He's saying, "You are, in fact, my friends." Uh, so the Lord in, is hearing our prayers graciously. That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. This is where you inserted points, Joe. I know. I, I... <laughs> Amateur. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio uh, is not for amateur everyone. Hour over Please at consult Table Talk your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the cabalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.